0: Hey, man, hello, and welcome to Relax, Mail. All right, so this week, mixing it up a little bit. Uh, from time to time, I come across someone who is just so interesting, I've got to let you share it. Now, I'm going to be doing, we've got an interview coming up, and it's going to be with a man named Terry Tucker, uh, incredible guy, and just a a harrowing story in in some parts but also ultimately a a story that a tale and insight on to finding your purpose and why that is so important for us as men to do why do we need to have a purpose why do we need to find ourselves and and know what we need to do And we're going to be talking about that this week on episode number 50 of The Relaxed Mm Mail. All right, man. Hello and welcome to Relax Mail. All right, so like I said uh, in the intro, we've got a special guest this week. That I am just completely blown by, blown away by. He uh, shot me an, e- uh, an email just, you know, seeing if hey, I, if I took guests. Which right off the bat, just because you ask if you have if I take guests, at least you have taken the time to you know, do a little bit of search, listen to a couple of the episodes and may not have seen that. You know, I've had two other episodes where I interviewed triple and, uh, and Jake Warner from big brother, Jake podcast. But at least he was not instantly going, Hey dude, I've got a great show, a great person, uh, that you need to interview with. Uh, he sells melt testosterone enhancement pills and it's like, well, okay. I, we are about health, but, you know, we're, we're more than just health. It's not just health pills we're, that we're, that we're pushing. So yeah, there's a, <laughs> this, this guy, this gentleman came up and had a, an interesting conversation. Even the first time we, we talked on the phone, I mean, he has got such an infectious laugh and you'll get a chance to hear it through in the, uh, in the interview. He is just a true to life, honest to God, full, full, uh, amazing man. And I am going to be glad to, to, to share that with you. Now, as you know, this show is free. If you're first time listening to this, yeah, congratulations. This is show is cost you no money, but there is a, there is a fee to this. And that fee is if you find any type of value while you're listening to this, you go, oh, wow. Or you get you to thinking about anything. If you get to thinking, if it stops to make you laugh, cry, think, moan, or groan, I got you. It's time for you to share that. Share this episode out with people that you know. Share it out with your friends, your family, your followers. If you are on, share it with Facebook and Instagram and any other social media uh, accounts you have out there share it with folks let them know that we have it, have this this podcast out and that we are looking for more men who are just like you have we want more of a of you with this community so that we can grow and become better and we can help each other so with that just one more quick announce, uh, announcement i still have plenty of openings available for the uh, brotherhood of men which is a men's group that i run You can uh, sign up for that over at relaxmail.com forward slash brotherhood and uh, sign up and you will find that uh, a lot of the obstacles you have been facing are not quite as, as pressing because our guys have solutions for you we are able to help work you through the uh through the different problems so with that let's jump on into uh this interview because it is an incredibly powerful one all right so here we go hey man hello and welcome all right so today i have a a, an interesting uh change up you know i'm not i don't do a whole lot of interviews on this show but every so often you get somebody who comes in knocks on your door and goes dude I'd like to be able to talk on your show and I, I give everybody a chance to be able to talk, especially if they come off and sound like they, they start off being a good fit for the show. I usually will do it because you know, sometimes you get people coming on going, Hey, I've got a great, a great testosterone pill that, that uh, would do uh, be great for your men. It's like, that's not what this show is about. You're not going to do any good for my, for my audience. So but today, I ended up getting a message from a gentleman named Terry Tucker, and this guy um, intrigued me right off the bat. I was like, "Hey, we got to we got to talk to him." And I talked to him, and instantly, this dude hit me with one of the most infectious and incredible and beautiful laughs I have ever heard come from a man before. And this, he has got such an incredible story. He is. If you think you've got a hard life, there is a guy, there's always somebody out there who's got something just a little bit worse just to kind of help put your life in. And this, his story just really sets that no matter what happens to you, there is always a reason to look on the positive side. There's always stuff that actually happens that, yeah life is 50 50 50 percent pain 50 percent pleasure and we and what we make of that that pain side is what makes us mm-hmm. so guys please welcome to uh, to the show Terry Tucker Terry how you doing today
1: I'm good Brian thank you very much for having me I'm looking
0: forward to it so you are in Colorado right correct all right and uh, so you uh, with the, being in Colorado, what was the uh, first off? Kind of just uh, kind of let folks know you. You said you started. Uh, you grew up in in Chicago. So what brought you over to the to the glorious mountains uh, of Colorado?
1: Well, that would probably take an entire podcast to to trace <laughs> the journey around the United States, but I'll try to do it real real quickly. Um, so from Chicago, I went to college in Charleston, South Carolina. So I've got the East Coast covered. Uh, I moved back to Ohio uh, where after I graduated from college from the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, um, I moved back to Ohio where I had lived previously when I was younger. And I got a job with Wendy's International, the hamburger chain in their corporate offices in the marketing department. Um, You know, I I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. So I was kind of all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And and I look back on that now and I'm like, I I didn't know anything, you know, when I graduated. (laughs) I, I, I knew absolutely nothing, you know, and I was all set, like I said, to make my mark on the world. But unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years while I helped my mother care for my father and my grandmother who was living with us. And they were both dying of different forms of cancer. So I met my wife while um, I was in Columbus, and we moved to Santa Barbara, California. So now I've got the West Coast covered we as well. Got the West Coast. There you go. And uh, from there, we moved back to Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, and then to Houston, Texas, and then eventually to to Denver here. And I am the trailing spouse. My wife is the primary breadwinner, so uh, we go where her jobs take her. She's in the financial management um, sector, sector of, uh, of, of uh, basically what she does for a living. So uh, I go where she goes. And uh, we've been married for 27 years. We have uh, one daughter who is a uh, graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is a lieutenant oh, in, the, in the Space Force, the newly created Space Force.
0: Oh, that's cool. Awesome. <laughs> that is amazing.
1: Yeah, it's pretty neat. But, you know, it's funny because conversations with her are very short because everything she does is top secret. So, you know, oh, I was work bad. today. Well, I can't talk about it. Good talking to you. See you. Bye. You know, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can't talk about that. Can't talk about it. Oh, come can't on. Can't talk about anything. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so you came, you, you shot me a message because you actually ended up writing uh, you wrote a book which is an amazing uh feat among itself i think everybody has an author inside of them and but your you your story you've got you've been you uh, like you said you you uh actually went to school at the citadel but what uh, what did you actually also do in the citadel that was uh for a lot of people uh just kind of a, a wow wow feature
1: so I I went to the Citadel on a basketball scholarship, and uh, which in and of itself is is not that big of a deal, except for the fact that I had three knee surgeries when I was in high school. And the Citadel is still a Division I, NCAA Division One uh, program. And when I was there, we we got to play against some really good players. I my senior year, we played against uh, Michael Jordan in North Carolina. Uh, on a Friday night. And then on Saturday night, we played against Jim Belvano in North Carolina State uh, mm-hmm. on on a Saturday night. And and the funny thing about it is, is that that year, which was 1982, which shows you how old I am, um, North Carolina and Michael Jordan won the national championship. And then the following year, 1983, North Carolina State and Jim Belvano won the national championship. So I was very fortunate to play against some really great competition. And it's funny because my brother, um, my youngest brother is a basketball coach in high school or a high school basketball coach in Chicago. And he actually coached Michael Jordan's two sons. And he tells, tells a funny story. So one day I'm at practice and it's getting toward the end of practice and I'm teaching the players a particular play. And I look up and none of them are paying attention to what I'm saying. So I turn around and look at the door and Michael Jordan had come into the gym as a parent. He was there to pick up his sons after practice. And so my brother kind of turns to him and says, hey, Michael, you know, you're a little bit of a distraction here. Would you mind stepping out? And Michael Jordan was a super parent. He didn't try to, you know, tell my brother what to do or anything like that. He said, sure, coach, no problem. I'll step out and haul till practice is over. And, and later on, my brother thought, gee, I'm probably the only coach in the history of basketball that's ever Kicked Michael George, oh, George out of practice.
0: A basketball <laughs> <court>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, that, <laughs> yes, I got to get just <laughs> <laughs> right. amazing. Wow. So now you have a very interesting look on life because you're as I kind of hinted at, you've got um you've got a well, according, apparently from what you said earlier, you've kind of got a lineage of your body rebelling against itself. You have, uh, you have actually have come across a couple of different hardships. Uh, due to, the, like I said, your body rebelling, you've, uh, you have beaten cancer. What? Two times now, three times.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, that's probably going to be all that I'm going to beat it. So, Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. in 2012 I was, I was diagnosed with a rare form of melanoma that presented on the bottom of my foot, and, and this certainly has been the greatest challenge of my life. By the time the cancer was detected, it had metastasized to a lymph node in my groin, and because my form of cancer is so rare, there's only about 6,500 people that are diagnosed with this type of melanoma in the U.S. every year. It was recommended that I be treated at the world renowned MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. So I, I want, I'm, I want your audience to understand that what I'm going to describe to you is what I experienced during my cancer journey. I realize there are thousands and thousands of people out there who are suffering terribly with their diseases, whether they be mental or physical. And I make no claims to have the market cornered on suffering. But one thing I have learned through all my suffering is that suffering is one of life's greatest teachers. So at MD Anderson, I had two surgeries to remove the tumor and all the lymph nodes in my groin, and I had a skin graft to close the wound where the cancer had been cut out. And after I healed, I was put on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon to help keep the disease from coming back. Now, interferon for me was a horrible, nasty, debilitating drug. And I took those weekly injections of, of interferon for four years and seven months before the medication became so toxic to my body that I ended up in the intensive care unit with a fever of 108 degrees, which. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. yeah you're
1: starting to do brain damage. Yeah. It usually isn't compatible with being alive at, the, at that point. No. <laughs> but But while I was on interferon, it gave me severe flu like symptoms for two to three days after each injection. I lost right. 50 pounds during my therapy. As a matter of fact, I, I used to joke that I was so skinny that I was pretty sure I could go hang gliding on a Dorito, you know, it, it was, <laughs> but, you know, but other than that, I, I, you know, I was constantly nauseous, fatigued and chilled. My ability to taste food diminished and my body continually ached. And this misery went on for over 1,660 days.
0: But one like having I, the flu for that long. Wow! It,
1: it is. I, I mean, if if you can imagine, I mean, we've, all, we've all had the flu. If you can imagine having the flu every week for almost five years, that's pretty much what I went through. And right. and when I when I ended up in the intensive care unit with hundred and eight degree fever, that was in two thousand and seventeen. Um, I was taken off the drug. They they pretty much said this is too toxic to your body. You can't you can't take this anymore. And of course. The disease came back in 17. In 2018, I had my left foot amputated um, because the disease had come back. In 2019, came back again, had uh, two surgeries to remove it. And then earlier this year, I had an undiagnosed tumor in my ankle, which grew large enough to fracture my tibia. That led to the amputation of my left leg above the knee, of course, during the middle of a global pandemic. And um, I also found out that I have tumors in my lungs. And so I've been on chemotherapy to treat those. Uh, The chemotherapy has been successful in shrinking them, although not eliminating them. And then uh, on Monday, I start a clinical trial of a drug that will hopefully rev up my immune system to fight the disease. It will do nothing to the cancer, but it will hopefully uh, get my body in a position where I can actually fight the disease.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. So yeah, using it to, at least to, to hold the enemy at bay.
1: Yeah, that, that's yeah, basically so. it. Although my my oncologist is not uh, not very optimistic about my long term future.
0: Yeah. So when you found out that uh, that weird spot on the bottom of your foot was melanoma, what was the original? What was the first thought that you actually had?
1: Well, I, I didn't really think much of it because at the time. Um, I, you know, I've, I've had numerous jobs in my life, and you know, I was a police officer, I was on the SWAT team, I've, I've done a lot of fun and cool oh. and interesting things.
0: <laughs> wow, I mean, you keep adding stuff in here, oh, I was this, and I was this, oh, and by the yeah. way, I was a SWAT, you know, it was like, oh, he smokes, man. I was also,
1: just, I spent three and a half years as, as an undercover narcotics investigator as well, so...
0: Oh, well, um, well I got some stories there.
1: Yeah, there, there really are, not, probably not many we could tell on the air here, but... Um, <laughs> You know, so, yeah, so I was I was a high school girls basketball coach at the time, and, you know, having a, a callus break open on the bottom of your foot right underneath my third toe, I really didn't give it much thought because I was on my feet, you know, every day coaching and practice right. and games, and, and but when it didn't heal, I, I went to a podiatrist friend of mine, and, you know, he did the, new, the normal things. He gave me some pads to put in my shoe to kind of cushion it and see if that worked, and Eventually he said, you know, I think you have a cyst in there, and so he, he cut it out and and he showed it to me, and it was just a little sack of white fat. He's like, I've been practicing for twenty five years, seen thousands of these, no big deal. Give you a couple stitches, will be good as new in two weeks. So he said, but you know what? I'll send it to pathology just to make sure. Two weeks later, I get that call from him, and like I said, I, I had known him before, and he was having a difficult time talking, and and the more he was struggling to tell me what happened the more frightened i was becoming and then eventually he told me he said you know as as i said i've been practicing for 25 years i've never seen this form of cancer you need to go to md anderson to be treated
0: wow um yeah that i've never had to be faced with that i mean my my wife is is uh uh a, a survivor of uh of childhood leukemia and so back in the uh late 70s early 80s i mean back when that was still almost uh considered a death sentence i mean and her mother is one of those who was an early adopter of the ronald mcdonald house and and things like that Uh, that's that's the closest to well, besides for, I've had, uh, my grandfather died of, of pancreatic cancer and this dude was a big man. He was, he was tall and he was barrel chested and and everything. And it, he, I mean, I, I never got to actually see him while he's in the hospital, but we heard how fast, you know, the cancer can ravage body. And so there are those ones that are very, um, very aggressive and then there's those types of cancers that uh that are not so but every time you hear someone say yeah there's cancer involved you know some people really get a attitude of well okay i've got this i'm gonna attack attack it or uh they almost just go ahead and just give up what angle did you what mindset at that uh once it once the initial you know shock uh dude, you've got one of the rarest cancers known to man growing on your foot. uh, What, how did you, uh, what was your mindset on that? Were you?
1: Yeah. I, you know, I I think I went through, I'm, I'm, you know, I like to think I'm tough, but you know what? I don't care how tough you are when, when you're faced with a a terminal illness or a chronic illness or anything like that. I mean, I think you, you know, one of the things I, I was like, well, this, this can't possibly be happening to me because I'd done everything right in my life. You know, I'd eaten well, I'd, I've always exercised, you know, I, I had a physical every year and did whatever kind of testing my doctor said I needed to do. I had I'd never smoked and, I you know, never did drugs, anything like that. And I thought, how could this possibly, you know, and, and even to this day, I still, when I, when I meet somebody new, they, you know, I'm on very, very little medication. I, I I don't look like I have cancer. Um, I don't have a leg, but other than that, I, you know, people look at me and I'm like, yeah, I'm probably the healthiest sick person you're going to meet today. <laughs> so, you know, I, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, I, I, I go that route, but, you know, I, I think I look at, at my life, you know, I had three knee surgeries in high school. I had a battle back from that. My second one, they took out 25 pieces of bone and I was told I probably wouldn't play basketball again. And might not walk normally again so I was able to overcome that go to college play basketball um, you, you know there are, it, a lot of life is how you approach it and and I have t- to this day I have a little posted note on my on my desk that that I see every day and it, and it has three sentences on it and I think that kind of sums up my life and, and sort of how I'm attacking this disease and the first one is you need to control your mind or it will control you. The second one is embrace your pain and suffering and use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual. And the third one is as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And I I really kind of took and and I have I've been through a lot of pain. I've been through a lot of suffering and people ask me, you know, how do you deal with that? And, and what I've done and what I've somehow figured out how to do is to turn that inward, To turn that inside of me to make me tougher. To say, you know what, I'm going to use that pain, and and I'm not going to be like, oh, gee, woe is me, and I feel bad, and all that. I'm going to use that and as fuel to make me a stronger and more determined individual. So, I I think a lot of life is how you how you look at it and how you approach it. and And literally, I, I did a I did another podcast where somebody asked me, you know, well, what if somebody's listening? And they are like, oh, well, you know, you've got a college degree. You've got a master's degree. You, you've done all these things. You're I could never do that. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. If that's your attitude, you you will never do that. But if you approach it as, you know what? Yeah, my life may suck right now. But if you embrace that suck and use it to make you more determined, you can do anything that you want to do. So I, I I can't stand people. like, Well, I could never have been a policeman. Well, yeah, you're right. And with that attitude, you never could. Why would you? Why would you use that negativity? Why would you take that negativity and say I could never do that? Well, you, you never will do anything if that's your attitude. But I, what if you say I'm going to try this and see how it goes? You know that that at least gives you an opportunity. You, you know, I mean, you mentioned I wrote a book. I, I'm not a writer, but yet I wrote a book. You know, if I, I there's a there's an old saying that says some of our greatest real estate. Uh, in, in terms of value, are our cemeteries because they're areas rich in books never written, businesses never started, relationships never pursued. You know, if you want to wow. do something, you've got to believe that you can do it. You may not do it, but, you know, it's kind of, I think it was was Einstein or, or, or um, Graham Bell or, or, or somebody like that who said, you know, I, I haven't failed. I've just learned new ways how
0: not to do things. So you right, know, you, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was uh, Edison. Edison, sorry, yeah, when they, yeah, exactly. yeah, when yeah. he was talking about uh, light bulb, uh, when a reporter supposedly came up to him and asked, "Well, how do you feel about uh, failing ten thousand times at making a light bulb?" And he was, he said, "I didn't fail at ten thousand. I didn't fail. I just learned ten thousand different ways of how to not to make a light bulb." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Okay, so you got you, you got hit with the with the body blow of you've got you've got cancer, and you know, you went through you did all the stuff that was needed, and you got it uh, got it beat back, and you thought you were in remission, or you were in remission for for uh, I don't know, I mean for a few years, weren't you?
1: Well, I, w- I was it, the the, the f- almost five years that I was on interferon, the disease had not come back, so. From that perspective, from the cancer perspective, yes, I didn't have cancer. From the this nor- horrible drug that gave me the flu every week, yeah, I was still fighting a battle, you know, kind of on a different front, so to speak. Right.
0: So how did, uh, what type of uh, – what was keeping you going with the fact that you were having a five-year flu? I,
1: I'd say two things. Well, I'd say three things, and I call them the three Fs. Uh, my faith, my family, and my friends. And I, I've always had a, a, a deep belief in, in God. And um, in, in a way, I I'm, I know I'm coming to the end of my life. And, and that really doesn't scare me. In, in a way, I'm kind of excited to see what's on the other side of this life. And I know that sounds weird. And I, I know a lot of people have kind of like, oh you know, well, that scares me. But I, I always tell people, you know, the, the, I've been asked, how can I have that attitude? And the, atti- the reason I have that attitude is because I've lived my life. I've found my purpose and I've lived that purpose. And if you can do that, and, and I always I always give this quote from Mark Twain, who said that the two most important days of our lives are the day we're born and the day we figure out why. And and I've, I've really kind of have a passion now with whatever time I have left to help people find and live that purpose. So, so I, I've been very fortunate. I, I have a great family. It's not a big family. My, my wife and daughter, my my immediate family. I, I have two brothers, as as I've mentioned. You know, I, I'm six foot eight. I've got the brother who coached Michael Jordan's son, six foot seven, who pitched for Notre Dame, and then my. My middle brother is six foot six and was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, back in 1983, and and then my dad was six five. So if you sat behind our family in church growing up, there wasn't a prayer's chance you were going to see anything. (laughs) Not at all. And that so so I've been very fortunate that that I I have a strong faith. My my family has been there for me from the beginning. My wife and I made a decision early on when I got cancer. uh, I was 51 years old. My daughter was in, our daughter was in high school. We made a decision. We are going to tell her the truth, obviously age appropriate for the truth, but we were going to tell her the truth. I'm never going to lie to her and say, oh, dad's great when dad wasn't great. And I think that was, that was a good decision on our part. And, and I would do it that way. And then I have friends that, you know, that call me and, and, you know, just, hey, what's going on and let's talk for a while and things like that. So I think if you can have those three F's in your life, then it, it's a lot easier to battle a disease or or anything you're going through, you know, whether you're, you're, your marriage is falling apart or, or you, you lose your job or, you know, you've got a child who's, who's you know, struggling in whatever situation in life they're struggling with. You know, you, you've got to have people that that are there for you. You've got to have something that I like to call that's bigger than yourself. That's actually one of the chapters that I, one of the principles in my book that, you know, to be part of something that's larger than yourself.
0: Right. Okay. So what is when it comes to finding your purpose, and that's actually kind of the angle from here. I'd kind of like to like to dive into is so many people seem to walk through life, just enjoy just floating through life and they sense that, yeah, they've got they're they're losing stuff. Uh, they're leaving stuff behind. They're missing stuff as they go. And to, and they really don't realize how far away they are and how, how far off course they've gotten until they you know they start to review their life, which I when you faced with uh, with cancer it seems that's what a lot of people do they start to review their life and go oh wow didn't do as much as I was really wanting to by this time what do you uh, how does how does how do you see people how do they find their purpose. So I, th- I think
1: the, the first thing that you have to, to have or you have to do to find your purpose is you have to be open to it. And I know that sounds kind of kind of corny. It's like, well, of course you do. Well, yeah, but as you said, there, there are a lot of people that are just walking around. I, I call them dead. We all know people that are dead. They just haven't fallen over yet. You know, they're just marking time and they're doing the same thing day in and day out. And when I talk to groups, I, I ask people this, this question. It's like, do you have any idea why you were put on this earth? And sometimes I'll take that a step further and ask them, do you know why you were born at this time? You know, why weren't you born 4,000 years ago or 25,000 years in the future? There's a reason that we were all born. And that reason involves finding and living our purpose. I believe we're all destined to live uncommon and extraordinary lives. And that has absolutely nothing to do with what kind of job we have, how much money we make what kind of car we drive, where we live, et cetera. We are not all born with the same gifts and talents, but we all have the ability to become the best person that we're capable of becoming. The problem is, is that most people take an unintentional approach to living. And by living a casual life, their dreams, their goals, their ambitions become a casualty of that unplanned living. And during the almost nine years now that I've been battling cancer, I've had plenty of time to think about my own death. And after I die, I can't imagine standing in the presence of our creator, whoever or whatever you believe that entity to be, and being unable to account for the gifts and the talents that I was born with and that I didn't use to make the world a better place. And, and I always ask people, you know, I believe and, and if, if maybe you believe this, or if you can just think about this, that me as a human being, me as a person is so unique that there's never been another human being before me like me, and there'll never be another human being after me that's that's like me. I am that unique as a human being. And if we're all that unique, and I believe we are, why wouldn't you want to use your unique gifts and talents to find your purpose, to make this world a better place, whatever it is. I mean, if you never take a chance on your dreams, if you never take the time to figure out who you are, why you're here, and what you're supposed to do, as you say, when you come to the end of your life, you start looking back on that, and you say, you know, I I never did anything. There's a Native American Blackfoot proverb that I heard years ago that I love, and it goes like this. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. The only way to find your purpose is is to search it out, to try things that make you uncomfortable, to fight against the status quo, to frankly experience things that scare you. If you're doing the same thing every day, you're never going to grow. You have to get out of that comfort zone. You have to do things that scare you. And I have been scared so many times, whether it's, you know, playing basketball. I don't know if I can do this. These guys are older than me or whether it's cancer. And, you know, is this going to be it? But you take that fear and you pull it inside you and you're like, you know what? Now it's energy for me and I can use that and I can make me a stronger and more determined
0: individual. Wow. Wow. that's wow (laughs) uh that that's uh, incredible uh you kind of left me speechless on that one that was so many so many amazing things that were mentioned in there big one being that you have to be actually uncomfortable yeah we because that's one thing that i I like to try to point to to men so much is yeah uncomfortable it sounds horrible to be uncomfortable but uncomfortable, you could actually start being uncomfortable by just taking a five-minute cold shower once, twice, three times a week. You know, at the end of your shower or even before you actually start bathing, you can, you know, just turn it on to cold, get underneath there and just suffer through it for, you know, set, just, you know, set, bring your phone in there and say, hey, Siri, bring in uh, or hey, Shlomo, whichever, whatever uh, uh, form of uh, uh, assistant you have on your phone. Say hey, set the timer for five minutes, and then just step in. Yeah, because you're going to (gasps) instantly, you're going to get. It's going to take your breath away. You're going to want to fight against it. But what happens after that? As you experience that cold, you all of a sudden find a a place in your mind that you're able to kind of look to, and you see it. And I'm not going to call it your purpose. Not even going to call it uh, a will. But it's just a spot in your mind where you realize. I can toughen this. I can tough through this. This is not as anguishing as it first seemed. And that's there's so much that men can actually become and 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 uh, realize about themselves if they do actually take the time to just get a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not saying go out and, you know, lay on a bed of nails or anything, but. Or, or even, you know, don't even have to try to run a marathon though. Running a marathon would, uh, surprise the heck out of you. So many people who were, you know, 300 pounds at one time for being, you know, they might have been like five foot, eight, five foot 10 and, uh, and weighing 300 pounds. And within a couple of years, you know, they're running a marathon because they, they got, um, they decided to take that chance to get uncomfortable. Yeah, your knees are going to hurt. Your, your ankles are going to hurt. You're going to get blisters on your feet. You're going to figure it out. But as you get those blisters, you're going to figure out. Holy smokes! If I get these other running socks, yeah, they cost fifty bucks a pair, but I put these socks on and my feet don't hurt near as bad. Uh, you get to learn that. Hey, these yeah, these shoes are were really. Uh, Really good. They were recommended, but you know this this cheaper pair of of New Balances feel great on my feet as I run. You know, you don't have to follow what everybody says. It's a it's a means of you exploring and discovering what works for you. And as you go about on doing that, you become smarter. You become you. Everybody wants to know how do you build confidence? Well, you build confidence by just doing. You do. You do.
1: And and you know it's it's funny because I think you hit the nail right on the head with what you've been saying. And and, and there there's a huge impediment. You, you think, well, why isn't everybody out there living their purpose? And and I always say, Well, there's there's a huge impediment to finding and living your purpose. And that impediment or that obstacle is us. Because we all know, I mean, our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure. To our minds the status quo is comfortable and familiar and should be left alone. And if if you think about it, like let's, let's say somebody who's looking for a new job. We all know people who are stuck in dead end positions and these people should have been working somewhere else years ago, but for some reason they stay put. Why is that? I'd suggest it's because every time they decide to find new employment, their brain kicks in and starts pointing out all the reasons that they should stay put. You know, things like, hey, you're making good money and you're accustomed to the routines here and the work is easy. And you know what? You go somewhere else. You might not get along with co-workers at a new company. Whatever the reason to the brain, a new job presents all types of uncertainty and uncomfortableness. <clears throat> if you're in a job that you can't stand and it would make sense for you to explore new opportunities, your brain is going to pro- to fight you on making that change. And I think this this next line is really important. The problem with okay. most people is they think with their fears and their insecurities instead of using their minds. Let, let me say that one more time, because I, I really think this is this is hugely important. The problem with most people is they think with their fears and their insecurities instead of using their minds. We don't like to live in an uncomfortable state, but that's the only place where real growth can occur. When I was coaching high school basketball, I used to constantly remind my players that they needed to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. As such, I'd moved players in and out of drills and practice that I knew caused them anxiety. I wanted them to be uneasy, not because I was trying to get them to fail, just the opposite. I wanted them to realize that they could succeed at something that made them apprehensive. The only way we can grow the only way we can push past our comfort zones is to do what we find unpleasant and undesirable. And it's in those painful, difficult, and sometimes embarrassing moments that real growth can occur. And, and I, I'm going I'm to really date myself now. I, I know I did it a little while ago, but in 1976, the U.S. gold medal win, winning Olympic swimmer Shirley Babishoff, had one of the greatest quotes that I've ever heard. And this is what she said She said, Winners think about what they want to happen and losers think about what they don't want to happen winners can override their brains wow. and focus on the things they want to occur and losers focus on the negative aspects of competition and aren't able to see the positive qualities of pursuing a goal or
0: a dream wow oh yeah and I, there I can't remember who exactly said it but there was uh, a gentleman who uh, had Made the, made the statement that, uh, and I've started using it, uh, as a, as a, uh, as a bearing on, on what I do. But, um, he says, use fear as a compass. Uh, or let's see, no, how to pra- actually phrase it. Except in the time of mortal danger, use fear as a compass because that's where your big, large, largest amount of growth comes from and that's i mean that's been it's been pretty good so far i mean i'm having i'm personally having to step over into some some uh discomfort areas just because that's that's a uh i'll I'll look at it and the place that all of a sudden i start getting a whole bunch of brain chatter where It's like, well, let's, uh, let's try writing a book. All of a sudden it's like, dude, you, you write blogs, you, you, you do good. Whenever you make a 1500 word blog, you, you're not a writer. You you start hearing all these little reasons as to why being a writer or doing something different, start clicking, uh, start rattling off in your brain. And that is, is fear talking. And so uh, the more I hear that and the more rapid those, uh, those excuses click off in my mind that's i almost use that as a geiger counter if i get start going and i get more and more and more and more and more and then i start fading off it's like okay okay well i know what direction i need to go to do i need to write a large book uh, or a small book well right now it seems like about a medium-sized book is probably about the size that i really need i don't need to write an, an epic uh tale of of uh, adventure and it's it's more of a uh more of an epic tale of, uh, of self-discovery. You know, it's those, those are the types of things that are really, that's how I, how I, have started navigating life is going through there and seeing where, where's this fear Geiger counter thing clicking off the most. And that's the direction I probably need to be heading for, heading for most of all. And you can look at that, look at that as, couple different ways. You know, that's some people would say that's, uh, the, the enemy of your, of yourself telling you uh, to stay away from that area because that's where you're going to be the, the greatest. So, yeah,
1: it is. And, and, you know, the, the, the kind of line I like to use is, is to become successful. Your purpose has to be bigger than your pain. And that's kind of what you're saying. You know, I've got to, I've got to push past that fear and if I do that, then I'll, I'll find my purpose. I'll find a direction that I'll be happy in, that I'll be fulfilled in.
0: Precisely. Precisely. So um, what is the – we've kind of hinted around on the book. What is the name of your book? The book is called Sustainable
1: Excellence, The Ten Principles to uh, Leading Your Common in an Extraordinary
0: Life. All right. And what is that – what is your book actually mainly uh, uh, is mainly covering what, like what are your, uh, the, the six principles kind of in a nutshell?
1: So the, the, the 10 principles really, this book that's was kind of, sure. that's okay. It, it This was, this was a book kind of born out of two conversations. I had one with a, a former player, a point guard I had on my team who went to the university of Georgia. She and her boyfriend have moved here to the, to the Colorado, to the Denver area. And, I sent her a text one day and my wife and I have had dinner with her and her boyfriend several times. And I, I'm like, you know, I'm really excited to have you here in Denver where I can find, you You know, watch you find and live your purpose. And she kind of came back to me with, uh, well, what what do you think my purpose is? And, you know, I gave her the quote that, that I uh, just said about Mark Twain. And I said, I, I don't know what your purpose is. That's something you're going to have to figure out. But keep in mind you know, some people know their purpose right out of the gate. You know what? I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be whatever I'm going to be. And then some people, it takes a lifetime to find that purpose. And I I gave her the the example of uh, Colonel Sanders who started Kentucky Fried Chicken. He started Kentucky Fried Chicken after he retired. He was in his 60s when he started that company. Now, I don't know if that was his purpose, but I have a pretty good idea that it might have been. And can you imagine if he would have said, you know, in his 30s or his 40s, I, you know, I'm just going to find some job and, you know, whatever. And so it was that conversation. then I had a, a young man from the Citadel, a basketball player who connected with me on LinkedIn, who asked me this question. He said, what are the things that I need to learn to not only be successful in my job, but also in life? And I talked to him a little bit about, I I I'm writing a second book now that is going to focus more on significance instead of success. And I I said, you know, success for all of us is, you know, we were successful at starting a company or raising a family or whatever, but it was something we did. Significance is more focused on what you did to help other people. And I, I like to, you know, I think you can be both. You can be successful and you can be significant, but I think it's more important to be significant. So I had these two conversations and literally I wrote this book from the time that I had my my leg amputated, which is April 21st of this year, till the time I started chemotherapy, was about, which was about mid-June. And like you, I, I was not a writer. I, I, I had written things before, but I'd never written a book. And, and I always kind of feel like, yeah, I wrote the book, but in my mind, that book was inspired or in all honesty, written by God. You know, I think God was like, hey, this is important stuff and I I need you to get this down and get it out. And so that's kind of what I did. And it's just 10 principles. And I came up with these 10 principles and I started thinking, you know, I've got a life story about that. Or I know somebody who has a life story about that. Or I read a story about that. And eventually I had enough material that I, I put a book together and it, it's, you know, the principles are in no particular order, but, you know, I talk about the, the first one is enjoy your life. You know, don't find a job, uh, find find your purpose, find your why, and you'll, you'll work a whole lot harder, but you'll be a whole lot happier. And, you know, we talked about, you know, people thinking with their fears and their insecurities and, you know, we were born to lead an uncommon and extraordinary life always remain curious. And and I like this one, especially you are the person that you're looking to become. So if if you want to be whatever it is you want to be, but I, but I'm not that I haven't done that yet. That's right. You, you haven't done it yet, but you're the person that you're looking to become. You want to be that. So you really are that person. You just got to take the steps to get you there. And so I, I go on with, with some other ones. And, and really, the one I end with and I think is the most important thing is love. Love is the most important thing that any of us have. Love for each other. Love for ourselves. And I, I, I was a big fan of John Wooden, who was a basketball coach at UCLA when I was growing up. He was kind of the, the Coach K uh, of his time. And his, his teams won, un, they won seven national championships in a row. And I remember hearing an interview about him, with him, and he talked about the, the things that were important in life. And, and, and a reporter asked him, what, what is the most important thing in life? And here's this incredibly successful coach, and he boiled the most important things in life down to one word, and that word was love.
0: Love, wow. Wow! Yeah. yeah, it does. Love is covers so much, uh, so much ground, and it's something that so many of us just struggle with. Um, we do. I mean, it's from men just being able to tell other men they love them. I mean, yep. that's, and it's not a macho thing. It's just you know, it's not something that we are actually taught but uh we all we as men all need to have uh, a band of brothers and that i try to make it a point uh whenever i get finished talking because i've got right now i have two very close friends and when i finished call talking to them i try to make sure that every time i end the call with love you brother and and go with that, and that's that's something tough just to do. And I, you know, it's it's not the in a weird way or anything. It's just it, you love them for being the human, for being who they are, and being the love them for the spirit that that's inside of them. And we do need to have um, need to have more love and listen to people and approach people. And so many people want to. To be angry at another person, and uh, even with uh, when relationships fall apart, you can still love a person. If you you know you have a have a, a uh, an ex who you know may have treated you badly and has found another uh, found another man, and it seems like she's you just hear that they're getting married. You have a choice, and you can choose to actually go ahead and love your ex. And wish them the world. Yeah, she may have been cheating on you left and right, left, right, and center for the whole time y'all were y'all were together. But you have the choice. You can go ahead and say, "God bless you. I love you. I hope y'all. Ha- I hope you you found your happiness finally." And that would change the attitude of so many people by just choosing, being able to sit down and actually choose love, choose the. Above all else, because you have that choice Your the emotions you feel are just, just that. So you're not, you're not throwing love. To, uh, you're not making that person feel love. Well, the only benefit you're getting out of going ahead and choosing to love is that you get to be the one who feels that love. That is your love. That is you that is feeling that 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 emotion. The what however love feels in you, it might be kind of this light, airy, tingly sensation, or it may be, you know, a a uh a, more of a, a sensation in uh in the back of your head. You know, wherever you feel that that emotion, you it's I've not ever known anybody who says love is painful.
1: No. And no, so I- it's not. And, you know, it's funny when I when I talk to groups, I usually end it and I, and I ask them to do me this one favor. For the next 30 days, look at everybody that you come in contact with as if they'll be dead tomorrow. So look at the person who cuts you off in traffic or the person at work who takes credit for something you did or your 16-year-old who's constantly defying you as if they'll be dead tomorrow. And if you do that, It'll be it, it's amazing how much less stress that you'll have in your life and how you will look at people much more positively and much more caringly than you did before that.
0: Wow. That is definitely a way to just completely snap that uh, that mindset around to be uh, how how to look at them if you want to yeah, look at them as if they die. What happened? How would you act if they died tomorrow? How would you look at them? That's wow. That (laughs) that, that's good. Uh, Just to uh, because so many people get stuck in just their own heads and to be able to just, you know, look at it, go. What if they had died tomorrow? What if you yeah, they whether it was their fault or not. Yeah, you have just a very just a very temporary sensation of somebody cutting you off. Yeah, you're angry. You had to slam on the brakes. You almost hit them, or whatever. But you could look at them in such a more caring, understanding fashion. And if you were to look at them as, well, what happened if they were to uh, to die tomorrow? I don't exactly. know very many people who would celebrate the and actually, honestly, celebrate uh, the passing of someone. You know, you hear a lot of people make some very cold remarks through social media but if that was if that was to actually happen i doubt that most people would actually go through and be uh, would be uh, celebratory they wouldn't be jumping up and down dancing in the streets over death of even if it is you know even if it was the scary orange guy that's in office right now it you know they would they would state it they would they would state it in a very cold hard ma- manner but I don't think they would uh, the vast majority of people would not so right so I let's agree. go ahead and let's start uh, start wrapping her up uh, your book can be found on Amazon right
1: it can be found on Amazon it can be found on barnesandnoble.com. it can be found on iBooks pretty much any other, any source that's out there that distributes books you can find it
0: okay is there going to be an audiobook available at any time uh,
1: actually my publisher and i have just been talking about that this this past week oh. so we're uh, we're 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 coming to that conclusion and it's funny because he he told me i've learned so much about the publishing business that i had no idea but he told me that the vast majority of men buy audiobooks as opposed to women who will buy you know, a a hard copy type of book in that. So I, I, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. Well, I would have to say that probably absolutely right. Because my wife, she reads, of course, she's not much of a, of a uh, nonfiction reader, but all her, all the books she reads are are either Kindle or, or through uh, or actual hard, uh, hard copies of books. And me, I've, I've gone through so many books this year just because of my Audible subscription. And sure. so, yeah, I would have to say, yeah, I'm, I listen, of course, I, I'm driving for my day job. So I'm, right. uh, that's the easiest time for me to listen. And I'll listen to a book a couple, couple times because I know that there's a lot of times that I'll, be more paying attention more to traffic. So I'll, I'll miss something, uh, in there. And so every time I reread a book, there's a new discovery that I, that I'm making there, but awesome. I'll be glad, uh, glad to hear that. Um, and your website is, is what?
1: It's motivationalcheck.com. Um, all one word and, uh, motivational at AOL.com. If you want to send me an email and, I, and then I, wow,
0: if you, you call, still have an AOL account, I
1: do, I do. <laughs> that shows you how old I am, you know, but uh, yeah, I, 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 do. So it's, but if you go to motivationalcheck.com, you can, you can send me a note through that. And, and I also have my social media sites attached to that Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn.
0: Okay. Awesome. And, um, so at motivational check it shows that you've got podcasts I guess these are all the podcasts that you've been on
1: yes that I've been on I don't have a podcast that I do myself I I'm, I'm pretty busy with the, the ones that
0: I've that I've been on as guests so uh, that, there's nothing wrong with that being no. able to be uh, a helpful uh, content generator for other folks as is, is just as valuable as having your own so you're you're still getting your word out and and good job uh, thank you for that. So, all right. Um, any other last mo- words that you would uh, like to make before we close this up?
1: Let, let me leave you with this one story, and and I, I think this is this is kind of powerful. And and I've always been a big fan of westerns growing up. You know, when I was young, my mom and dad used to let me stay up and watch Gunsmoke or, or Maverick, mm-hmm. or my favorite was Wild Wild West. But in, oh, yeah, in 1993, yeah. the movie Tombstone came out, and it starred. Val Kilmer is, is Doc Holliday and, and Wyatt Earp is or uh Kurt Russell's Wyatt Earp. And and Wyatt. Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were actually two living, breathing human beings that walked on the face of the earth. They're not characters that were made up specifically for the movie. And yep. and Doc was a dentist by trade, but pretty much was a gunslinger and a card shark. And Wyatt, for most of his life, had been a lawman. Well, at the very end of the movie, the the two men are uh, actually Doc is dying in a sanitarium in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. And, and and the real Doc Holiday did die in that sanitarium and he's buried in the Glenwood Springs um, cemetery. And at this point in his life, Wyatt is destitute. He has no money, he has no job, and he has no prospects for a job. So every day he comes to visit uh, with Doc and they play cards just to pass the time. And so the two men are talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, I was in love with my cousin when I was younger, and and she ended up joining a convent over the affair, but she was all that I ever wanted. And he looks at Wyatt, and he said, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt says, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal, there's just life, and get on with living yours. So you know, from my perspective, would I like to not have cancer? You bet I would. I, I, I wish I, I had never gone down this road. I did go down this road. I had no choice to go down this road. These are the cards that I've been dealt and I have to play them. You know, I believe you were born, we're all born to live an uncommon and extraordinary life. But to do that, we need to control our minds. We need to embrace the pain and the suffering in our life and use that to make us stronger and more determined. And that as long as you keep moving forward and remind yourself that as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. I, I remember Stuart Scott, the former ESPN reporter who died a few years ago of cancer, said, don't downgrade your dreams to fit your reality. Upgrade your convictions to match your destiny. So wow. if, if I can leave people with that and in and, and the hope that for the next 30 days they'll treat everybody they come in contact with as if they'll be dead tomorrow, then hopefully I've, I've left something positive with your
0: audience. Uh, I think you have. Uh, just, uh, I, we're, I'm going to be staying in touch with you because, Thank you. uh, any, if it, there's anything, you are just a, a powerhouse of inspiration. You are just, uh, just amazing. <laughs> and so, uh, Terry, I appreciate the time that you've been able to spend here with us. You, uh, this has just been a, a powerhouse discussion, uh, just what we can do to get ourselves out, find our purpose, uh, go ahead and embrace that that this that discomfort that holds you back, because that discomfort and the fear of that discomfort is, sheerly, is merely just a veil for something that is incredible on the other side. And if you can pe- push through that veil, it's it's the rewards are are indescribable. And uh, I think you have uh, have shown that, and proven that, and 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 uh, being a, an incredible teacher like that is something this world needs. And um, I'm I'm going to hope that uh, a miracle comes along, and all of a sudden you're you're still hanging around for another 20 years. So I would I would I think that would be an incredible some uh, incredible thing to to happen. And I'm going to be praying for you and and your family so that we can we can see if we can talk god into into letting you hang around just a little bit longer
1: thank uh, you i i'm hoping that happens too believe me i pray for that every day
0: <laughs> <laughs> so but anyhow um i thank you again for everything guys go check out terry stuff go buy that book I, uh i have yet to to actually get a chance to read it but uh know that that's going to be, that's on my to, to purchase list and I'll be getting my copy in and uh, that'll definitely be a book that I read while I go through and uh, start trying to do the 75 part here in, uh, in the very uh, near near future. So guys, thank y'all again for listening. I hope y'all have an incredible rest of the week and we will see you next week with episode number fifty one. Until then guys, face and say love your brothers we'll talk to you then